I'm Graham Smith. We established the Mothers Program to provide a reliable source of information about pregnancy on the internet with the goal to improve mothers' health through education, research, and screening. The Mothers Podcasts are an extension of that. Today we're going to be discussing how to prepare for pregnancy and beyond. Our guest is Dr. Cindy Lee Dennis. Cindy Lee is a professor at the University of Toronto, where she holds the Women's Health Research Chair at the Li Ka-Shing Knowledge Institute at St. Michael's Hospital. Cindy Lee is also the lead investigator for the Canadian Healthy Life Trajectories Initiative, the goal of which is to improve the health and well-being of children. We'll talk about that shortly. Cindy Lee, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Do you know that this is my very first podcast? I've given over 300 talks and interviews, but this is my first podcast. I'm so excited to be here. So thanks again for inviting me. Well, we're glad that you chose us for your first podcast. So again, thank you very much. So you've had a very long, illustrious career, including having been the Canada Research Chair in Perinatal Community Health. Can we just start off by you talking about your research program and goals? I have a very simple maxim that really guides my program of research, and it's that healthy babies start with healthy parents. This belief has led me to focus my whole research career on evaluating interventions that can improve the health of both moms and fathers with the overall goal of improving the health of children long-term. For over 25 years, I've been leading large cohort studies in clinical trials, including evaluating interventions that leverage technology such as the internet or the telephone to improve not only the quality of the care that we give, but also access to that care. And I've been recruiting women and fathers all across Canada. I'm one of the first researchers in Canada to study postpartum depression and the mental health of mothers in pregnancy and postnatally. I've conducted both treatment and prevention studies and developed best practice guidelines and care pathways. I've also focused on improving breastfeeding outcomes. I developed the Breastfeeding Subfacy Scale, which is the most widely used breastfeeding measure in the world that's been translated into over 20 different languages. Clinicians use this scale to identify mothers who are at risk of stopping breastfeeding early in the postpartum period or supplementing. And what we do is we identify these high-risk moms and give them tailored support to help them meet their breastfeeding needs. And what we do is really target mothers' confidence in their ability to breastfeed. In the past 10 years, I've started to include fathers in my program of research, and now we're publishing papers on fathers' mental health in pregnancy in the postpartum period. So as you can see, I've been a researcher for a long period of time. I focused on mental health and breastfeeding, and now I'm moving into preconception care. Your work has really had a clinical impact, and, and that doesn't always occur with research, but you can be proud of the work that you've accomplished because it has changed clinical practice. You know, I was doing a clinic this morning, my postpartum maternal health clinic, and I was saying to one of the people that us as parents are role models for our kids, what we eat, our physical activity, those kind of things. And we really have an opportunity, I think, as clinicians, as researchers, to help to improve the outcome for kids, exactly as you say, by improving the outcome from mom's and dad's point of view. I totally agree with you on that. And that's why I've really focused on women and their partners and not necessarily focusing directly on improving the health of children. Because I think that if we improve the health of moms and dads, we can have a long-term impact on the health of these children. 
Many of the listeners to this podcast series will be listening in because the title, Planning for Pregnancy. So what advice would you have for those perhaps planning their first pregnancy, but also those planning their next pregnancy? So planning a pregnancy is often a very exciting time for families, and most women are in good health. But there are risk factors for poor pregnancy outcomes that we can address before conception to improve the likelihood that women will have a healthy pregnancy and thus a healthy baby. There's a growing movement to provide preconception care. And many of your listeners, I'm sure, are wondering, what is preconception care? The World Health Organization has defined it as interactions with a healthcare provider that aim to identify and decrease risk factors that impacts a woman's health. So what is preconception care? It's interactions with a healthcare provider that aim to identify and decrease risk factors to a woman's health or pregnancy through prevention and management. There's very good evidence that certain steps can be taken before conception to maximize the health of the mother and the baby. What are the goals of preconception care? They're to encourage women and men to prepare actively for pregnancy. We also want them to make informed decisions that they understand health issues that may affect conception and pregnancy. And we want to empower them to be as healthy as possible as they go into their next pregnancy. So this has all been a lot of theoretical talk, but let's be practical. What can listeners do today to prepare for a future pregnancy? Yeah, I agree with you. A lot of times when I'm seeing somebody for preconceptional counseling, I'm identifying to them that they've got a medical disorder, diabetes as an example. You don't get pregnant when your diabetes is poorly controlled. You get pregnant when your diabetes is well controlled. But what should the average person do who doesn't have a medical disorder? You want to eat right. You want to be physically active. These are things that you don't start once you get pregnant. You start them before you get pregnant. Yes. So I would totally agree with that, Graham. In addition to eating healthy and being physically active, what else can these listeners today do to prepare for a future pregnancy? Well, I think one of the first things they can do is schedule a visit with their healthcare provider to discuss their preconception health and identify any health risk factors that they may have that they can actually alter prior to conception. Another thing that you can do is ensure that your immunizations are complete and up-to-date, including tetanus, measles, mumps, hepatitis B, influenza, chickenpox, and such. A third thing that you can do is take a daily multivitamin that includes folic acid. At a minimum, you should start taking the supplement three months before conception to reduce the risk of neural tube defects and such in infants, and just to improve your health overall and to make sure that you've got your micronutrients. Another thing that you can do is review all the medications that you might be on with your healthcare provider to understand that these medications may or may not impact your pregnancy and the growing baby. A fifth thing you can do is to understand the effects of alcohol, substances, and tobacco use in pregnancy. If you look at Statistics Canada data, 73% of women in the reproductive years are drinking on a regular basis. A Canada-wide maternity survey reported that 62% of mothers drank alcohol during the three months prior to pregnancy or before realizing they were pregnant. And one in 10 reported consuming alcohol during pregnancy. Alcohol can cause birth defects by affecting the growth and formation of a fetus's body and brain. So there's no clear safe amount 
or time to consume alcohol during pregnancy. If you're drinking alcohol, of which many Canadian women are, you should try to practice abstinence leading up to and during your pregnancy. Same goes for substances. Like alcohol, you should practice abstinence leading up to and during your pregnancy, including cannabis. Cannabis is now legal in Canada, and a lot of women might be taking it for pain management or to help one sleep during pregnancy, but there's really no good evidence to suggest that it's safe to take during pregnancy, and this is something that we would want to discontinue in the preconception period. Because it's legalized, people think that it's safe. It might be safe at other times to take it, but during pregnancy, the research is only starting on that. And it's really something that should be avoided preconceptionally, so before pregnancy and definitely during pregnancy. Same goes for smoking. You know, 20% of women in the reproductive years are smoking in Canada. And we know that smoking during pregnancy accounts for 30 to 40% of all low birth weight infants in Canada. So the preconception period is a really great time to stop smoking or to have your partner stop smoking so that you're not exposed to secondhand smoke. It might be also interesting for listeners to know that men's tobacco, alcohol, and substance use can negatively impact their sperm DNA. As sperm is regenerated approximately every three months, fathers who stop drinking or smoking or using substances preconceptionally can improve the sperm quality and improve fertility rates. So that's just an important factor to say that preconception care can also include fathers or men. Women's body weight can negatively affect pregnancy outcomes as well, and the preconception period is an ideal time to achieve or progress towards an optimal weight. We know that 25% of women don't lose the weight from their first pregnancy as they move into their second pregnancy or their third pregnancy. So weight in the preconception period is something that a lot of women can target to improve their health before they go into pregnancy. Overweight women should be made aware that weight loss, as little as 5 to 10% of their current weight, can improve their chances of conceiving and optimize their pregnancy and birth outcomes. I always tell people that pregnancy is not a time for dieting, but it is a time to watch your diet. You're not eating for two, you're eating twice as healthy, which I think is important. That's a really great point. And so that's why preconception care, we often talk about a healthy diet. We talk about physical activity, as you discussed earlier, and to help women move towards a healthy body weight, something that they perceive as a healthy body weight. And just little tiny steps can help them lose a little bit of weight and improve their chances of conceiving and optimizing their pregnancy and birth outcomes. We know that maternal obesity is associated with increased risk of infertility, spontaneous abortion, preterm birth, diabetes, and even breastfeeding difficulties. So this is something that women can pay attention to and can significantly improve before they go into their pregnancy. Another factor that I think we should talk about is mental health. There's a significant association between maternal depression and anxiety and infant outcomes such as preterm birth, low birth weight. Women who are depressed or anxious have lower rates of breastfeeding initiation and experience more breastfeeding difficulties and are more likely to stop breastfeeding before their planned breastfeeding goals. We know that maternal depression and anxiety can negatively impact child development, both short-term and long-term. 
Approximately 50% of women are diagnosed with depression or treated with antidepressants prior to pregnancy. And between 20 to 40% of women with a prior history of depression will suffer a relapse during the postpartum period. So the preconception time point is really a great opportunity for women to talk to their healthcare provider about how they're feeling both physically and mentally. There's no stigma anymore related to having feelings of being sad or depressed or anxious, and there's effective treatment readily available. So the sooner that they talk about their feelings with their healthcare provider, the sooner that they can get effective treatment and go into their pregnancy feeling well. We originally started talking about planning for pregnancy, but you have a lot of experience with breastfeeding research. Uh, Can you just give me a few comments about uh, your recommendations to help uh, improve breastfeeding outcomes? So after the birth of a baby, lots of women want to successfully breastfeed their baby. And when we say successful, that's something that women decide um, what are their goals and what are their intentions And it's the role of the healthcare provider to help mothers achieve their breastfeeding goals. One of the things that I've been researching a lot is a mother's confidence in her ability to breastfeed, also known as breastfeeding self-efficacy. The more confident a mother is in her ability to breastfeed, the more likely she is to initiate breastfeeding, to continue to breastfeed, and to exclusively breastfeed to six months, which is a goal that has been set by the Canadian Pediatric Society and the World Health Organization and such. There's many things that we can do to increase a mother's confidence in her ability to breastfeed. The first thing we can do is during pregnancy, assess her breastfeeding goals and to ask her about any previous breastfeeding experiences that she had so that we can dispel myths and problems that did previously occur and help her problem solve for the next breastfeeding experience with the new baby. We can also normalize that lots of women do experience breastfeeding challenges, and that's okay, and that there's effective support available through breastfeeding clinics, talking to their obstetricians, midwives, and pediatricians, family physicians, so that they don't feel overwhelmed when they do experience challenges. We can also, after the birth of a baby, put the baby on the breast as soon as possible to give her many opportunities to breastfeed well in the hospital. I know it's a short period of time. It's often 24 to 48 hours, but the more she breastfeeds in the hospital and has support with her and encourages her with the latch and the positioning of the baby and to reinforce that she's doing well, that will increase her confidence so that when she does go home and may experience challenges, that her confidence has already been increased. We can provide verbal persuasion, telling her that she is doing a great job, or we can highlight what is going well. And if something is not going well, the next time we see her breastfeed, we can point out what has improved from the first breastfeeding session till the next breastfeeding session, so that she can see that she is improving and that it can increase her confidence and her ability to breastfeed. We can provide women with opportunities to see other women breastfeed, such as breastfeeding clinics. So that's called vicarious experience. Just seeing other women successfully breastfeed increases a mother's confidence and her ability to breastfeed. And lastly, one of the things we can do to increase a mother's confidence or self-efficacy in her ability to breastfeed is to assess her level of pain. If she has a lot of pain, that'll decrease her confidence. 
if she's really tired, that will decrease her confidence. Or if she's highly anxious, again, that will decrease her confidence. So assessing for those more of the physiological or emotional aspects around being a new mom, we can target those and assist her in addressing her fatigue and her anxiety that will increase her confidence and and likelihood that she'll continue to breastfeed and do so exclusively or to achieve her breastfeeding goals. So let's talk about Healthy Canada, the Healthy Life Trajectories Initiative. What are the goals of this study? And I recognize that there are other similar international healthy studies going on concurrently. And how could we get people involved if they're interested? So Healthy Canada, funded by the Canadian Institutes for Health Research for $17 million. So this is a very large initiative. It was developed in partnership with the World Health Organization and is one of four separate but harmonized studies focused on developing evidence-based care for families that starts in the preconception period, continues into pregnancy, and into the postpartum period in early childhood. The aim of the Healthy Initiative and Healthy Canada in particular is to improve the health and well-being of children by preventing the development of obesity and chronic diseases. The other three similar studies that are being conducted are in Soweto, South Africa, Mysore, India, and Shanghai, China. And we're conducting these studies in these other countries to provide a global perspective on the provision of preconception care and the continuation into early childhood. Healthy Canada is the first large preconception trial in Canada and will be one of the largest in the world. So the purpose of Healthy Canada is to evaluate whether technology-based care delivered by a trained public health nurse can improve the health of families before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and into early childhood and that it can promote child development while preventing obesity and chronic diseases. The goal is to learn about how the health of parents and their behaviors before, during, and after pregnancy can promote child development, prevent obesity and chronic diseases such as heart disease, diabetes later in children's life, and improve overall health of families. We started recruiting 5,300 families in 2001, and we'll follow these families for eight years. So it's not a short-term study. We're following these families long-term to see if preconception care and that care that continues into pregnancy can have a long-term impact, not only on the family, but on the child that is born during the trial. We're following this child until it's five years old to see if we can prevent obesity and prevent risk factors for chronic disease. We are currently recruiting women and their partners who are planning to have a baby in the next three years, and they can live anywhere in Canada to participate in Healthy Canada. These are incredible studies that, as you said, will take a long time to do, but will provide us with information that will have impacts well beyond the study. So the goal to recruit in Canada is 5,300. How many have you recruited to date? Thus far, we've recruited almost 1,000 women. And half of those women are bringing their partners into Healthy Canada. And another 60% of those women um, already have a baby and are bringing that baby into Healthy Canada. So currently, we have well over a 1,000 women, partners, and sibling children recruited in Healthy Canada. So if we put links to the Healthy website and other resources, could they volunteer? 
I'm interested in talking to any mother who is planning or any woman who is planning to have a baby within the next three years. They can participate in Healthy Canada. They just have to go to the website www.healthy, which is H-E-L-T-I, Canada.com. And there is an eligibility form and they can complete that eligibility form. And if they are eligible, an email will go to the Healthy office and a trained research assistant will call them, describe what Healthy Canada is about, answer any of their questions and enroll them into the study. So it's very simple to participate in this. And what does participation entail? Women who agree to participate in the study will sign a consent form, but also complete a baseline questionnaire. It's a very detailed questionnaire that takes about 45 minutes to an hour to complete. It's the foundation of the study. So we understand where the mother is or the woman is starting at in our study. And we give her feedback. So all the questionnaires that she completes during the study, we give her feedback so she can track her health across time. She will complete a questionnaire approximately one a year. After the birth of her baby, she'll complete two in that first year so that we understand how she's doing in the early postpartum period as well. And for every single questionnaire that she completes, she gets a $15 Amazon gift card. If she has her partner participate in the study, the partner will also receive a $15 gift card for every online questionnaire that's completed. And if she enrolls any current children that are between the ages of three months and 12 months, she will get a $15 gift card for every questionnaire completed. Women can participate in Healthy Canada. They can bring their partners into Healthy Canada and they can bring any children between the ages of three and 12 months. Participating in Healthy Canada, it's a 50-50 chance that you'll be linked up with a public health nurse who will help you identify any health risk factors that you would like to target. So whether it's weight maintenance, whether it's to improve your diet or to increase physical activity or to improve your mental health, or to improve the relationship that you have with your partner, or to address any substance issues you might have, you'll be screened for all of those types of outcomes. And anything that you would like to target, the public health nurse will work with you to address your health issues. It's a simple phone call. It's access to a healthy app that has over 300 evidence-based resources available that you can read or use to help you achieve any health goals that you may have. What are the exclusion criteria for the study? The only exclusion criteria is if the mother has type 1 diabetes. She does have to also be able to understand English. We don't have translation services with Healthy Canada, unfortunately. But other than that, any woman who's planning a pregnancy in the next three years can participate in Healthy Canada and be part of this really trailblazing research. So they can be part of this great initiative. Absolutely. So just as a reminder for people, the website is www.healthycanada, that's H-E-L-T-I-C-A-N-A-D-A.com. So Cindy Lee, any final thoughts or bits of advice for women out there or individuals out there who are considering a pregnancy or are currently pregnant or just had a baby? Preconception care can improve the health of a woman before she conceives to increase her likelihood that she's going to have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. Healthy Canada is a very large study that will examine whether preconception care and support that continues into pregnancy 
and infancy has a long-term effect on child health. We would really like listeners to please consider participating in Healthy Canada and be part of this great initiative and this world-leading study. Thank you, Cindy Lee, for taking the time to join us for discussing planning for pregnancy, really planning for pregnancy and beyond. And certainly we wish you well with the healthy studies. You say this has the potential to be groundbreaking research. And so we'll look forward to the results of it uh, in years down the road. I want to thank our guest as well as Adelaide Burroughs who helped to produce this podcast and for those behind the scenes. As mentioned, we will put links to more information on this and other topics on our website, www.themothersprogram.ca. The Mother's Program is all one word. If you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for topics or people that we should interview, please use the contact section on the website. Until then, I'm Graham Smith. Be safe.